Now, this morning we continue with our Sunday service, of course, and can you read that with me? Continue. For so long as it goes there. Come on. Louder. Louder. He is risen indeed. The only reason why we can celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ is because not only did He die for the payment of our sins, is, still, is He still hanging on the cross? No. Why? He is risen. He is risen indeed. I was going to say, Chino, what is the gospel? <laughs> the gospel is this. Paul writes, I bring to you of first importance that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter and to the twelve. And at one time, more than 500 at the same time. The only reason why we can celebrate and live our Christian life with joy is because our Lord is risen. Amen? Amen. He is risen! <laughs> Praise be to God. Now, you know, technology, they have uh, so much artwork going on. And, you know, 2,000 plus years ago, our Lord and Savior died and rose again. But, you know, if it happened in modern times, maybe it was something like this. You know, uh, they would go there and see what's going on. And, uh, oh, <laughs> they're taking selfies and uh, pictures and all that stuff. So, it is a time of celebration. And because it is Easter, guess what? What is the message going to be this morning? <laughs> Pastor in song. Of all the messages on Easter, you are going to preach on Exodus? Answer? Yes. And if you will be patient with me, I will tell you why we need to study this particular part of Exodus in relation to Easter. Are you with me? Yes. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you that we can celebrate. We thank you that Jesus is alive. And He is alive in us, in those who have been born again, who have a personal relationship with God our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. God, we commit this time to you, Lord God. Allow us open hearts and our minds to receive your word, to understand it, and to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why Exodus on Easter? Exodus chapter 12. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin on the lintel and two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. This was the last plague. Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. And finally, 
this was the plague of the death of the firstborn. The angel of death was going to come and kill every firstborn in every family, whether Egyptian or Israelite, unless he saw the sign. And what was that sign? The sign of the blood. Take a lamb, one-year-old lamb, without spot, without blemish. You shall slaughter the lamb, and you shall take its blood, and put blood on the top and on the lintels. On the top and on both sides. You draw it. What is that? It's a cross. This is the book of Exodus. Yet it was already telling us about the cross of Jesus Christ. What would happen? The Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. He will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and smite you. So if the angel of death comes and he comes to your door and he sees the sign of the blood, what will he do? He will not enter and kill the firstborn. He will go to the next. And if he sees the blood, he will pass over. He will go to the next. There is no sign of the blood. What will happen? The angel will enter and kill the firstborn. So the sign of the blood is very important. And what did they call this? They call this the feast of Passover. Moses told them because God told Moses, tell the people, verse 24, you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. In other words, celebrate the Passover. That the angel passed over your house because of the sign of the blood. The sign, if you trace it, the sign of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, the sign of the cross does not save you. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. Now, this is Exodus chapter 12. We fast forward to Exodus 25. I shared with you last week about all the ordinances after Genesis chapter 20 that God gave. And all the way, here we come to a point in Exodus 25. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture just so you shall construct it. My friends, do you know that Jesus Christ died on the feast of Passover? That's why I share with you this morning from Exodus. Because the Passover that was done in Exodus was the time that Jesus Christ died, as we know it to be in the New Testament. And look what God is telling these people. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. According to the, all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle. What is a tabernacle? The Hebrew word mishkan. It means dwelling place. Dwelling place, tabernacle, 
resting place. The word tabernacle means tent, place of dwelling or sanctuary. And why is God telling them to make a tabernacle? Exodus 19. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you have warned us, set bounds about the mountain, and consecrate it. Why wouldn't the people, God's chosen people, be able to go up to Mount Sinai? Because no one can see the Lord and live. The glory of God's holiness will consume you, will consume me. When Moses spoke to God, how did God reveal himself to Moses? Did God show his glory to Moses? No. He spoke through Moses in a burning bush. Because no one can see the glory of God and live. So why does God, a holy God, tell his people, make a tabernacle for me? Why? Let them construct a sanctuary. A dwelling place. Why? That I may dwell with them. Holy God wants to dwell with unholy, sinful people. Holy God wants to dwell with unholy, sinful people. And the way that he could do that was to command them to make an earthly tabernacle, an earthly resting place, an earthly dwelling place so that holy God could reside with unholy, sinful people. Now what is the tabernacle? In Exodus 25 all the way through 31, God gave detailed instructions on how to build the tabernacle. Very specific. It took all of six chapters. This is how you're supposed to do it. This is the material. This is the design. These are the craftsmen that you would need, etc., etc. The tabernacle. What was contained? I'm just going to give you a condensed version of Exodus 25 to 31. The bronze altar. This is where they had their animal sacrifices. Remember, when you come before the Lord, you shall bring an offering for your sin. A lamb without defect. You shall slaughter the lamb. And the angel will pass over. Every time you sin, you come. You bring an offering. The bronze altar. That's where the priests, remember, who were set aside? The tribe of Levi. Because Levi's family, his tribe, did not worship the golden calf. So they were given the privilege of being the priests. What else? The brazen laver. This is where they would wash. You're a priest. You're dealing with blood. 
you're slaughtering animals. So you need to wash. The holy place where the priests did their ceremonies, where they would offer these sacrifices to God for their sins. The lampstand, the menorah that held the candles to light the room. Jesus is the light of the world. The showbread or the shoebread, as they would have it written in the Old Testament. Bread from each of the twelve tribes. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the bread of life. The altar of incense, where incense burned. These are your prayers, the prayers of the saints. The book of Revelations tell us that the incense flowing to God represents the prayers of the saints. The veil. The four-inch, four-inch thick material that separated the holy place from the holies of holies. And then in the holy of holies, you have the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were the two tablets where God, through His finger, ins inscribed the Ten Commandments. And they have a piece of manna. What is manna? Manna was the food that God gave them while they were journeying in the desert. And then, of course, over the atonement, over the Ark of the Covenant, you had the atonement cover. In some of your Bibles, it would read the mercy seat. And who is your atonement? Who is your atonement over the Ark of the Covenant? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is our atonement. And God gave them all of these instructions so it would look like this. You have an outer curtain. And then you would have an entrance. And then you would have several tables where you would slaughter the animals. They are supposed to be as burnt offerings. That's why you have the fire in the middle. And after the priest would burn your offering, because blood was on his hands, he would go into the bronze lever, the wash basin. And then he would wash his hand. And he would enter the holy place. This was done every day. How many of you have seen? I sin. Do you still sin? Yes. So every time you sin, you have to get some of your flock, bring it to this place, and the priest will offer for his sins and your sins. And your offering will be atoned for. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Every day the priest would do this. But only once a year. During the Feast of Passover, it is also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Once a year, and only once a year, does the high priest go into the Holy of Holies. And what separates the holy place from the Holy of Holies? The veil, the curtain, four inch thick elaborate design, expensive material. It is so heavy that a lot of people need to put it up. Now, 
inside the tabernacle, you have a lot of expensive stuff. Somebody did some research. 2,204 pounds of gold, 7,584 pounds of silver, 5,338 pounds of copper. Gold, that's 1,382 per ounce. Silver, 29.80 per ounce. Copper, 28 cents per ounce. 35,276 ounces of gold at 1382. 48,786,386 and 52 dollars. 3,594,982 ounces of silver at 2980. 3,594,982.60. 90,445 ounces of copper at 28 cents. 25,324.85. That's why our one cent is what? Made of copper. Very cheap. Total. You have a 52,406,000 US dollar tent. It's a tent. It was also called the tent of meeting where holy God will meet with sinful people. Why? Because holy God wants to dwell with us. It was a portable place. It's portable. They can move because they're on the journey to the promised land. When they have completed building the sanctuary, the tabernacle, in exact specification that the Lord God gave them, this is what happened in Exodus 40. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Who was there? God. And even Moses could not enter the tabernacle because the cloud which represented the presence of the Lord was there. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, what would happen? The Israelites would set out. In other words, it's time to move. God's glory had not rested on it. We can collapse the tabernacle, move, and then God will tell us when to stop, put up the tabernacle, and then what would happen? The glory of God would settle in the tent of meeting. And while the glory of God would settle at the tent of meeting, we're not going anywhere. One of the prayers of Moses was, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to leave this place. You see, many times, we want to go ahead of God, right? Many times, we want to stay back. What is the best place to be? To be right in the middle of where God wants you to be. I won't move until God tells me. They didn't move until the glory of the Lord lifted from the tabernacle. And then what happened? If the cloud was taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. 
Verse 38, For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. They would see the cloud. It meant God was there. They would see the fire, and it would remind them of their sin, that the fire was there because of their burnt offerings to the Lord. Seeing the tabernacle by day and by night reminded them, God is with us. God is with us. This morning I have titled my message, The Tabernacle of Eternal Life. God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle so that he may dwell with his people. This morning, we shall see the tabernacle of eternal life. Hebrews 9, 6-7 Now when these things have been so prepared, the priest continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself, and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. Did the priest also sin? Did the priest also have to offer a sacrifice for his own sin? Yes. He offered the sins for the people, but he too was a human being just like you and I. He too had sinned. So he too had to offer a sacrifice. The tabernacle in the Old Testament is called a type. It's not like type kita. <laughs> type means it is a shadow. It is a it is something that you do now. It is a shadow of what will take place in the future. So they had an earthly tabernacle. And in the book of Hebrews, we read, again, as I shared with you, the high priest only enters once a year. Remember, he is entering into the second room, which is the Holy of Holies. What happens if the high priest went in without offering a sin offering for his own sins? What would happen to him? What do you do now? You have a dead high priest inside the Holy of Holies. How would you retrieve his body? How do you even know that he's still alive? So the robe of the high priest had little bells at the end of his robe. And if he would go into the Holy of Holies, his ankle had a rope. If he's walking, what would you hear? If the bell stopped, He might be dead. I cannot go into the Holy of Holies. I am not the high priest. Solution. Pull the rope. Why? Because no one can stand before Holy God and live. But God desires to dwell with His people. God is making a way for Him to live, to dwell with us.
the Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed, while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. According, accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until a time of reformation. So until the earthly tabernacle is destroyed, a new tabernacle cannot come and be established. Why? All of those rituals in the Old Testament, until and before the coming of Jesus Christ, the sins of the people were only covered. Because the Lord Jesus Christ had not yet sacrificed His life. So God covered the sin. So this is what you do. And when you do this, your sins are covered. But when Jesus Christ died for our sins, all of our sins, even the sins of those people in the Old Testament, were fully paid. What did Jesus Christ say when He hung on the cross? Tetelestai, paid in full. God wants to dwell with us. But when Christ appeared as high priest, remember, who can enter the Holy of Holies? Only the high priest. Even if you are a priest, you are not the high priest. You cannot enter the Holy of Holies. You will die. If you are the high priest and you come in at any time, you will die. Because God said, only during the feast of Passover will the high priest enter and offer sacrifice. Who is the new tabernacle? Jesus. When this high priest when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and what? And, perf and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, not through the blood of goats and calves. How? But through His own blood. He entered the holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption. My friends, Jesus Christ is the tabernacle of eternal life. He entered as high priest once for all. For what? To make your redemption and mine secure. It is an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, through who the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You are supposed to take a meal of the herd or of the flock without blemish. Jesus lived on this earth and He never committed the sin. Only the blood of Jesus is without blemish. Only the blood of Jesus is acceptable to God as payment for your sin and mine. 
Compare that with the blood of goats and bulls and rams and what have you. They're animals. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shed His blood, His undefiled, unblemished blood to pay for the penalty of our sins. And Jesus Christ said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first. What is that first? The first tabernacle. The ritual of slaughter and blood offering time and time again. He has set aside the first to establish the second. And what is the second? His offering, perfect, once for all time. By this, we have, the we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Once for all. One time. That's why you know, Jesus Christ doesn't need to be hung on the cross and buried and resurrected every time. Why? Because His offering was perfect. He died once for all. A perfect offering. A perfect sacrifice. A perfect tabernacle. He had to set aside the first in order to establish the second. He had to set aside the old covenant to establish a new covenant. How did he do this? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who is this passage referring to? Jesus. So Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. Really? Verse 14. And the world and the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. He dwelt with us. What is a tabernacle? Dwelling, sanctuary, resting place. And he, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt with us. He tabernacled with us. And we saw His glory, glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one can see God and live. So how can holy God dwell with sinful people? Holy God took the form of a human being. He veiled His glory so that Holy God could dwell with sinful men. For all His fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. Look at verse 17. The law was given to Moses. That law was every time you sin, you slaughter an animal, you offer. Time and time again. Every time you sin. And if you are a sheep herder, it's going to be very costly for you. But look, if the law was given to Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. 
No one has seen the only no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. Who is that? Jesus Christ. He, Jesus Christ, has explained to him. When you see Jesus Christ, when you read about Jesus Christ in the Bible and all that he did and how he did it, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, God spoke through all kinds of prophets, but at the last time he spoke through his son. He is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus Christ has explained for us who God the Father is. But Jesus, being God, had to veil himself, taking the form of a human being and being made in the appearance of man. Philippians 2, 3-8, you remember? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Why? So holy God could dwell with you and me. Holy God could tabernacle with us. Every priest stand daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins, for all time, sat down. When you're finished, what do you do? Take a seat. You're done. He sat down at the right hand of God in verse 14. For by one offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The tabernacle that Jesus Christ went through is a perfect tabernacle. It does not need to be repeated time and time again because by one sacrifice, He has sanctified for all time. Therefore, brethren, since we have the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a what? A new and living way. The Old Testament Tabernacle is now put aside and a new tabernacle is set in place. A more perfect tabernacle, a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. What separated the holy place from the holy of holies? A veil. And how does the Bible describe the body of Jesus Christ? The veil. And Jesus uttered a loud cry while he was hanging on that cross. Among many things, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Among other things, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Eli, Eli, lama sabaktani. And then he said, Tetelestai. He says, paid in full. And he breathed his last. And when he breathed his last, the veil of the temple was torn from top.
to bottom. What is the veil? The veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. This veil was now at this time in the temple that King Solomon built. David was not allowed to build the temple. Although he had all the funding because of all his victories in war, he had all the money to put up the temple, that $52 million temple. But God told him, because you have blood on your hands, you shall not build this temple, but your son Solomon shall be the one to build it. When Jesus Christ died and breathed his last, that veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, that veil that the, whole, the high priest can only enter through once a year, when Jesus Christ breathed his last, the veil, that four-inch thick veil was torn in two. How? From top to bottom. Now, if you were in that place, how would you tear the veil? From bottom to top. Correct? How could this four-inch thick, heavy veil be torn from top to bottom when no one is inside? Who could do it? And how and when did it happen? When Jesus Christ said, paid in full, and he breathed his last. The tearing of the veil, my friends, tells you and tells me and tells the whole world. Anyone, absolutely anyone, for God is no respecter of persons, anyone can now in come in to the holy presence of God. But now it is no longer going to be by the sacrifice of animals and their blood. It is now only and solely and exclusively going to be through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because He offered the perfect sacrifice. Enter through the veil that is His body so that you can come into the presence of Holy God. Other than Jesus Christ, my friends, you and I cannot enter. But Jesus Christ made a way. Amen? Amen. And look at this guy. There was a witness. The attorney will say this is an adverse witness. This was a centurion who was there standing at the cross in front of him. And he saw the way that he breathed his last. And what was his testimony? Truly, this man is what? The Son of God. This is the enemy. This is the person who crucified Jesus Christ. They nailed his hands and feet. And they hung him on the cross. And he was there observing anything. Is this Jesus Christ going to really be? What is he going to do? Father, forgive them. Looking to John the beloved son. Look at your mother. Mother, behold your son. I'm going to die. John, take care of my mom. Mom, John is now going to be your son and he's going to take care of you. I'm dying. I'm leaving. I thirst. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
The first and only instance in all of Scripture that the Lord Jesus Christ called His Heavenly Father God. Think about it. My friends, at that time, all of the sin of humankind fell upon Jesus Christ. The book of Isaiah tells us He was pierced through for our transgression. And this enemy of the cross, this Roman centurion, gazed upon Jesus Christ and how he withstood the cross. Truly, this man is the Son of God. Old Testament, Old Tabernacle. You had the lamb, it was male, it should have no defect, it was a very bloody scene, you had to kill it was done during Passover and in the firstborn. And the animal sacrifice died. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, He was without sin. His death was bloody. He was killed. He was killed during Passover. He is the firstborn of all creation. He died. But then he has a life forever. That's why we have this day to celebrate. And this day you can celebrate every day of your life. You don't have to wait for Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. How do I know? The Bible tells us. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you have been looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. He said, in three days, I shall destroy the temple and rise it up. He was talking about his body. The temple was put to death. But in three days, he built it up. Come. See the place that he was lying. And the resurrection is so important, my friends, that Paul writes, If Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. My friends, if Christ is not raised, all the sermons that you've heard from this pulpit and all the other sermons, baloney. Useless. No sense. You have wasted your time. You could be out golfing or fishing or whatever. Why? Jesus Christ did not resurrect. Everything is useless. Your faith is also in vain. What you have believed is a lie. Moreover, we have found to be false witnesses of God. Why? Because you testify that Jesus is alive. We sing about the resurrected Christ. So our testimony is false. We have testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. In if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sin. If Jesus Christ, my friend, did not rise from the dead, He is just an ordinary human being like you and me. And His death on the cross does not satisfy the atonement for our sins. But did he rise from the dead? Yes. Is Jesus alive? Therefore, 
Is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ acceptable to God for your sin and mine? Yes. It was a perfect sacrifice. What it means to us, but God, being rich in mercy because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. How? In Christ Jesus. When you are born again, when you accept Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, where is He? Huh? Has He not made a dwelling in your heart? Are you now the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you now have the tabernacle of eternal life living in you? Yes. God dwelling in you when Passover when during resurrection he had to set aside the old tabernacle to establish the new one and he told us that we are supposed to celebrate this time and time and time again this morning, we are just going to obey the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are going to celebrate the Lord's table. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. Before we do that, let me see. Let me show you that the time that they sacrificed in the Old Testament tabernacle in Exodus occurred at the exact same time in the New Testament that they were celebrating. Luke 22, then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So what was the time? What was the timing? What were they celebrating? The Passover. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus Christ even told them, this is going to be a one-time deal because this is going to be perfect. The only time that I will dine with you, with all of the saints, in the banquet would be where? In heaven. So I'm not going to do this time and time again. The next time I'm going to do this is when you and I are together in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken the cup and gave thanks, he said, Take this and share it among you. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This is my body which is given for you. What are we supposed to do? Do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is what? The new covenant. Enter by a new and living way. This cup is the new covenant. 
in my blood. Friends, what we have here are mere representations. This is grape juice. It does not become literally the blood of Jesus Christ. Here, you have bits of bread. It does not literally become the flesh of Jesus Christ. Who may partake? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. There was a eunuch who had the scroll. And Stephen, oh, Philip. Philip saw the eunuch. He was reading the scroll. And then Philip inquired of the eunuch, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand? If nobody explains. So Philip explained to the eunuch about whom the scroll was writing about. And the eunuch understood to the point that he said, Look, there is some water. Why can I not be baptized? And Philip answered, If you believe, you may be baptized. And how did the eunuch reply? I believe. Stop the chariot. He was baptized. Same thing. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, because of what He did on the cross, He died for your sin, He was buried, and on the third day He rose again, you may partake. But my friends, do not partake flippantly. If you are not willing to repent of sin, my suggestion, inhibit yourself. No one, absolutely no one, will look. But God knows. But if you're here, and you know that you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, come. Partake with us. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Inhibit yourself. Why? Because the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 tells us, if you partake with all of these hindrances, as they did in the Corinthian church, some of them got sick and some of them even died. So please, the band is going to come and sing. And as they sing, between you and the Lord, you have to answer this question. Is the Lord Jesus Christ tabernacled, dwelling with me as my personal Lord and Savior? If not, inhibit yourself. If He is not, consider what Jesus Christ has done for you. And express your faith. Talk to God. That's between you and God. If you already have Jesus Christ living in you, it means that you're declaring Jesus Christ is not only your Savior, but your Lord. So commit. Commit to the Lord that you are not going to take sin lightly because it took the, blemished, the unblemished blood of our Lord Jesus Christ to pay for that sin.
song plays, come and take the elements and we will partake together.
the highest place What can separate me now? At the cross I bow my knee Where your blood was shed for me There's no greater love than this You have overcome the grave your glory fills the highest place What can separate me now? You tore the veil You made a way When you said that it is done You tore the betrayed he took bread and gave thanks and he said take and eat of my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me let's partake of the bread and in the same way he took the cup and after giving thanks he said take and drink for this is the cup of my blood the new covenant do this in remembrance of me let us partake God Almighty Lord Jesus Christ we thank you that we can now enter your holy presence through the veil which was your body. Thank you, Lord God, that you took the initiative to tabernacle, to dwell, to live with your people, holy as you are and holy as we are, Lord God. We just want to thank you for loving us because there is no greater love than what you have established through your son Jesus Christ thank you Lord Jesus for the cross that is a reminder of how holy our God is yet God is also gracious that our sins would fall upon you and that you would die for our sins and we could have eternal life because of your perfect sacrifice on the cross thank you Lord Jesus for offering up your body and blood for our salvation we can't thank you enough, Lord, and words, just even the word thank you is not enough. We thank you, Lord God, for being our tabernacle of eternal life. In all of God's people's head. Amen. Let's sing that song. Why don't we all stand? You know this. You know my way Even when I failed you I know you love me 
risen indeed. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everyone. Praise be to our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives forever. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen.